we are progressing, moving things forward. Shout out to our sponsors, Matthew Movement, Wear What You Believe. Visit MatthewMovement.com for more information. Uh, and today, man, we, we have a great topic. We have a guest on our show. He's physically not here, but we, we, put, we got him on, on the phone and he really gave us some gems to work with as we dive into this topic of racism. Now, Oof. for Oof. the last few weeks, we've been talking about evil, right? I think yep. we've been talking about evil. Presence of evil. And so in the presence of evil, we see all these things come out. We see uh, hatred. We see um, uh, discrimination. We see uh, abuse. We, there, there's signs uh, of what evil looks like. And, yep. and certainly racism is one of those signs that, that we are evil. We, we don't love each other. We're not good. We, we find ways to, to pull each other uh, away. And, uh, and we don't want to unite. Even... I would dare to say even as the body of Christ uh, in many ways and even in, in some of our historical uh, the things that we've seen, the church has demonstrated even to t up to today. You know, we've seen uh, racism. We've seen uh, where, where, you know, black churches will unite, white churches will unite, and they just be completely segregated okay. for one reason or another. You know, whether if that's culturally, that's one thing, but... Um, you know, the, the Latino church generally will migrate to churches that speak Spanish, which kind of makes sense if there's a language barrier. Um, but overall, just seeing how much racism continues to be present in our culture and around the world, uh, this is what we're going to talk about today. So um, Chris gave us some really good insight. So Chris Busey, who is uh, he is a doctor, Chris Busey, a Ph.D. Uh, professor. Uh, from multiple universities uh, across the U.S. He's taught in Ohio, he's taught in Texas, and recently teaching here in Florida. Has some great insight. He's given, done some really phenomenal research. Uh, his publications are extensive, and he does, he does conferences all over the U.S. and has traveled around the world doing research and uh, really trying to understand what this uh, thing of history and uh, and racism is all about. So uh, that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm only here with G. Geology's in the building. Up? What's up? What's up? People? It's your boy, Mike the Baptist. Um, Ivan the Average. Ivan the Terrible. Religion Man. Lord Suave. Lord Suave. <laughs> he is not here today. He's slacking again. Uh, but, but prayers go to him and his family. Hope to see him next week. So let's dive right into it. So as I look at history... There, I mean, we're, we've come a long way from Brown versus the Board of Education, from, you know, Loving versus Virginia, where uh, they eliminated the prohibiting of interracial marriages, affirmative action. I mean, we've just progressed so much from that time, yet racism is still present today. And I think we have it so ingrained in us to look at someone of a different color, someone who doesn't necessarily look like us, regardless of where you stand and what your perspective is. If you're Hispanic, if you're black, if you're white, and you're looking at someone who doesn't look like you, who doesn't come from the same community as you do, that may speak a different language, there's almost like this innate thing in us to want to be fearful of what we don't know 
and so we, we want to shy away from from it we want to run away from the unknown or or in many cases the unknown is seen as bad and mm-hmm. and what we talked about last week we hate what we don't know we hate what we haven't been educated on yeah. so so um so i mean what what are some things that we see today in terms of of racism or your discrimination at large i mean right now just reading just what happened like literally this week we have the chicago man who called the police department saying we will kill you to muslim civil rights advocates like that is insane in and of itself because we usually always associate race and what's going on nowadays with with the police with the black Mm. community but we don't really look at as a whole like the asians muslims and things like that as well yeah i we we tend to ignore the reality that uh, i can speak for my family my parents in particular i would hear stories about my mom growing up in brooklyn new york where she was she's uh she's light-skinned puerto rican woman and going to school she would get into fights with the white kids because they would say you know oh go back to your country go back to where you came from learn english even though she knew english um and and then with the black kids because she was lighter skinned they would associate her with the white population she would have fights with them too they would jump her and they would try to beat her up too so she the hispanics uh it's not not a lot a lot of light shown on Mm -hmm. the fact that the hispanic community experiences lots of racism except now really when we look at what's going on we talked about a little bit last week with the political climate immigration reform Mm -hmm. it's come out the people you know they they want mexicans they want hispanics gone and um and and it's just so interesting that that it's coming to light now a little bit more that the hispanic community has definitely experienced racism from all sides really and and uh and you know but not just them the the asian community seeing and experiencing racism i I remember watching stories on television particularly in california how they had to really fight their way through uh, california to to settle themselves in because there was so much discrimination against asians so much discrimination and it's funny because you know a lot of dudes out there love the asian girls right but um yeah it's just it speaks to the fact that media might focus more attention on the 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 highest of the the racial tension, which is against the the black community. But uh, there is there is racism across the board, as G mentioned. I mean, coming from experience as well, I was uh, what they considered a white kid living in uh, Jersey at the time, and I remember that when. My teachers found out I was part Dominican and also Chinese. They automatically wanted to put me in an ESOL program because my sister was in it. And then automatically I had to take a test two times and they had to see that I spoke perfect English. That's hilarious. English to the point that I can actually learn from the teachers themselves. That's what happened to me. When I came from New York, first day here, they, you know, fill out the paperwork, whatever it was. Yep. And because I was a, a Puerto Rican kid, I, w- I was born in New York, mm-hmm. you know, raised in New York family. Mom is is Puerto Rican, but she's from New York, speaks perfect English. My father is from Puerto Rico. So that's where, you know, I guess 
maybe Spanish is spoken in the household, so on and so on. I do speak Spanish as a second language. And man, immediately they put me in, 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 in testing to see if I needed to be an Esau. And I was like, but I speak at the time when, yep. when we came, I didn't really speak that much Spanish. My Spanish now is w- way amazing compared to what Spanish I spoke before. Terrible, My Spanish was horrible. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, why do I even have to take this test? I'm not even, I don't even speak Spanish at the time. And yeah, they made me take the test. That's so funny. That's so crazy. All right, we have in Oregon, the Multicultural Festival, we have people, they didn't get specified what names. This happened on June 9th, which was they started putting up on walls a whole bunch of negative connotations saying that President Trump has an executive order to kill all blacks and all supporters, which is in itself. We see that a lot happening. Yeah. There's a lot. Yeah, I don't know what, you know, what I, I know... I know there has been things alluded to the political party in, in areas of racism, and there's some have been some blatant things coming out of the campaigns and all of that, but um, it's hard to pinpoint specifically. I think there has been, and I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. If I'm totally wrong, you want to message me, let me know, proofbeyondreason at gmail.com, let me know. But uh, to my understanding, there has been more so the... Uh, you know, the assumptions that this political team is affiliated with those, you know, racial groups and so on and so forth. But I mean, it could be true. It could absolutely be true. But uh, but I don't think there has been blatant evidence to say, yep, this is it. We've got this dude. There's a video of him hanging out with them or there's a there's a there's a uh, audio of him speaking to this party, blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't think we've had that. It's just been a lot of assumption um, based on support. And, you know, somebody could support me and I could be totally against, you know, whatever party's out there. But, yeah, it's a, it's a weird dynamic. But, yeah, people are responding just kind of crazy, mm-hmm. just kind of going all out, using it as an, as an excuse. And if it's not checked, then, yeah, it puts, it puts the political party in question. It makes you look real bad if you don't check that kind of uh, action. And I mean, it's like uh, Albert Memmi, he uh, did a quote, there is a strange kind of enigma associated with the problem of racism. No one or almost no one wishes to see themselves as racist. Still, racism persists real and tenacious. Straight up. Straight up. And I mean, touching upon experiences that I've had, I'm Dominican. I've already explained it. We explained it multiple times but i if you see me from afar you think i'm white like hands down you think uh, I'm from white. afar i'm sitting across from you g you are white <laughs> yeah i look i look white necessarily by the typical stereotype european let's be more specific you are european my friend. Uh, yes yes but i'm also chinese as well but even just living or going to visit say for example in the dominican republic just two years ago, just last year, you can hear the Dominicans talking about how there is literally a divide between you have the light-skinned Dominicans complaining to the darker skins, and they like to associate or they like to see some themselves superior to the Haitians, always. I've always noticed that from the beginning. You can go there, and people are literally just talking smack about Haitians, this and that, and yet you come here... And say, for example, when I was in high school, I had these two good Asian friends, I mean, not Asians, but Haitian friends, 
and we we're like yo we're from the same island you're like we're brothers like that's what's up but yet you go to the island and there's a complete divide and a lot of people don't really like talking about that that's the thing that always gets me because why aren't we talking about these issues if we're living in the same society mm. yeah no it makes sense i i work with a lot of foreigners because of what my job what we do and and a lot of the countries that we work with jamaica uh nigeria mm -hmm. kenya but particularly the philippines it's interesting out of the philippines in that um apparently this is what i understand it to be so again if i'm wrong correct me but i understand that there are products in the philippines where you can bleach your skin so yep, they'll walk around true. with umbrellas to protect themselves against getting darker and getting more tanned because the darker you are, you are seen as inferior. You're seen mm -hmm. as, as, as less educated. You're, you're in a different class. So to prevent that, even if you're dark by, by nature, you know, you're just born and you're darker than everyone else. Um, they do their best to bleach their skin and, and, and don't look a certain way. And that's not all of the Philippines, obviously. Uh, we don't want to generalize our Philippine community in that way, but to my understanding, that's what's present out there. And, and it's just, you know, it's kind of, a um, it just tells it's telling of, of what cultures across the world experience when you, when you go to different, you know, I mean, you go to China and in China, you might be the celebrity because you're darker skin. You, they don't, they yep. haven't seen you before. So you're going to get treated differently. And if you come here and you're from Japan, we had, you know, I had someone I know uh, straight from Japan and being here in South Dakota, he's experiencing a lot of racism in, in regard to how he speaks and, and, and how he behaves. And he just he kind of can't get a he can't get a break. He can't get a break. They're, they're pointing out the fact that he's different and and we don't like what's different. Let's be real. We don't like what's mm -hmm. different. We don't like what we don't understand. We're scared of it. We hate it. And it's and, and I'm guilty of it. I, I'm, I can be the one of the first to admit that, you know, having grown up and, you know, living in in different uh, places where, you know, Polish communities and black communities and Latino communities, I've seen things where I put a label on people. And that's my default because I've had certain experiences with people. Maybe I've I've come across what we call stereotypes to be real. Like they're not necessarily stereotypes to me. They're realities to me yep. because of what I experienced. Um, I have experienced instances of racism. I've experienced being told, learn English, you, you know, or, or go back to where you came from or whatever. I've experienced racism for sure. And, you know, living in different communities and living among different people, my default sometimes is 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 not a pleasant one. If I don't know you, you know, automatically the default is going to say, boom, this this white guy wearing this suit is automatically looking at me and assuming mm -hmm. this. But that's probably not true. Yep. The same thing, you know, black dude, baggy jeans with a hoodie walking around. He's tall, probably got a mean mug on the automatic thought is that he's thinking of me or he's thinking of doing something to me. And based on my experience, that might have been my experience with yep. someone who fits those descriptions. That might not really be the reality, but my reality could be 
I've seen those lived out. And so it's difficult to overcome that unless you're able to just refrain or, or put a different mindset, get a different perspective on things. And, and I'm not sure why that's the case, but um, it, it is what it is. It's kind of what happens. So, Yeah, I mean, we see a lot of things. Say, for example, if you were to put two kids of, say, for example, a white kid and a black kid together in the same room or say for example an asian kid what are they doing within the hour playing, playing with each other out. like they have names for each other and doing all this stuff but yet as you get older you're either getting influenced by what's around you or your parents keep telling you oh you can't associate with yeah. this person and you can't do this this and that the schools we could talk about the south say for example people are proud of the south and this and that but we have say for example i went to Alabama this one time with my dad. He's a truck driver. Alabama. Shout out to Alabama. Right, right when they found out, say, for example, I went in, I talked to the people, and I was just like, hey, where's the closest bathroom? And they were like, oh, it's over there. Like, nothing was wrong. As soon as my dad came in, and I had to translate for my dad, the whole atmosphere changed. Like, I was just like, this is crazy. Times have changed what happened. But then it's something like someone told me before, Yes, times have changed. It's been like a good, decent amount, but we still have people living that hasn't like they lived through the blank, pa uh, blank, Black Panther era. I'm sorry, and you see Malcolm X, all these people like Martin Luther King. People walked with Martin Luther King, and we don't really talk about these things. Like some people still have it in their heart. Like people that used to be racist had to hide because everyone was accepting the new change and the new movement and that in itself that like we see it we talk about racial tensions but we don't acknowledge sometimes that say for example people had to hide so now when trump became president people think that's an excuse because of the things he's talking about like immigration laws mm. and racial tension that's happening all throughout like the middle east and then they think that's an excuse or a way to say oh now that Obama's out of office, now we have a white president. So we took back, mm. like, since we always see it since the Jim Crow era, where before it was like only whites can go to this bathroom or drink this uh, water in this water fountain. Now we become colorblind to the sense where we say, oh, your father is usually never around. That's the stereotype that we usually play out. Or your father probably is a janitor, is a cleaner because he's come, coming from Mexico. I mean, how many times have you heard Mike say, for example, that when you speak Spanish, people automatically assume, are you Mexican? Yeah, a lot of times. A lot of times I'll get that. Um, but it's funny because when you say that, you know, when you're like, oh, people assume you speak Spanish mm -hmm. and you're probably a janitor. I mean, in my life experience, yeah. Like my mom yep. worked in, in, you know, she, she had to clean homes or clean villas as a way to make ends meet. She worked a state job and she had a she had a good career, mm -hmm. which she just recently retired from. But in order to make ends meet, we had to find a way to make money somewhere else. So she was having to work work cleaning villas Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Saturday and Sunday. And guess yep. who was with her cleaning the villas? Me. So I'm a his, I'm a I'm a Latino male cleaning villas. I fit the stereotype. Like, yep. there's no way, like, how can I escape that? How can I work around that? And is that necessarily a bad thing if 
we're making extra money now, and nobody else wants to clean yep. except we're taking the jobs that nobody really wants. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and, and my church, uh, shout out to Cross Point Español. Uh, my church really focuses on the reality that Orlando and Osceola County, Orange County included, we're seeing a surge of the Latino population growing mm-hmm. exponentially. Like something like a hundred family uh, Latino families are moving into the Orlando area, Osceola, Orange County, daily or weekly, something like that, like something crazy. And so. As we as 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 the church gears to target the Latino community that the Spanish Spanish speaking community specifically, we're seeing the reality that we uh, Hispanic community is assuming jobs that nobody else wants: the janitors, the construction yep. workers, the the laborers, and and so is that a stereotype or is that real? That's, That's a reality. But why yep. is it bad? Why is it bad? You know, why, why do people look down to it when you need your lawn cut? You know, why you look down to it when you need your house cleaned or you need your 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 restaurant cleaned? Why is that frowned upon when a service is being provided? And I know some people who make bank yep. doing that as a career. They make more money than the, P, you know, the VPs working in corporate offices. They make dough. So... Who's the sucker? Is is it the guy who's wearing the suit having to sit in an office and stress out about numbers? Or is it the person who works six hours a day or five hours a day clean, mowing lawns, don't have to think about anything? Mm-hmm. He's killing the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we, we to your point, yeah, like racism in that regard, it's like it, it we get put in a box. Yep. And I mean, it's not necessarily only, say, for example, the Hispanics, the black community, the Asians, everyone that's not white necessarily. But it's also touching on touchy subjects. It's something like I always talk about to, say, for example, one of my friends, he's a very strong black activist. But I usually interpreted or I told him in a certain manner that even blacks in themselves have turned slightly racist. So you'll see, say, for example automatically there's a white guy that wants to play basketball like say for example we're playing ball and there's a white guy that just drives up and he's like yo can i play what is usually the stereotype that goes with that that dude can't ball that dude can't ball he's white he got no like no hop he got no jump and i remember watching the movies in the 90s of that uh, white man can't jump yes love that movie and he was balling it up too he was killing the game yep and i mean they don't like touching on that subject. They'll usually always assume, say, for example, we're talking about a conversation and I could say, oh, yes, um, this person did this, this and that. And, I, and they would automatically respond with, yeah, that's what white people do. Automatically right there, you're already putting skin color. You're putting people in that stereotype race where you could say, oh, he's Muslim. He does this or he's Asian. He does that. Like, say, for example, I'm Asian and people can be like, oh, he's going to be super smart. You yeah. are super, super smart, though. That's the crazy thing. This man's living up to the stereotype. Oh, my God. But, yes, you have that. <laughs> <laughs> you have that, and people don't really notice what's happening. Instead of them being a light or being an example of change, they're accepting a completely different. So it's just not the white people that have associated a colorblind mentality. It's also the black community, the Hispanics, and all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's any one of us that have experienced 
something. Mm-hmm. We've we've been around, uh, you know, we've been around black community and mm-hmm. we're listening to the loud music and we're, you know, we see fights break out and people drinking 40s or whatever, smoking weed and, and, and we see that as, our, as the standard. We see that as the average. So we're like, that's who they are. That's so yep. as I walk in and I walk through neighborhoods and things like that, I'm like, yeah, th- this is who they are or, or the white community, you know, experiencing people getting drunk or, you, you know, uh, getting all kind of STDs because they just doing all kinds of things and blah, blah, blah or the or Latino community with the tattoos and the drugs and the and the gangs. And but a lot of that are things that I've seen with my eyes and a lot of yep. that have been things that I've experienced and you start to create labels on people rather than saying this person at this time did that we automatically say black people are like this we yep. automatically say latinos are like this we automatically say white people are like this and that's not necessarily true there's some white dudes out there that are that they can rap with the best of them they can play ball with the rest of them they can you know, and there's there's some black dudes that don't have any rhythm. They can't dance. You know, there's Latinos that don't speak Spanish. There's, you know, uh, they're not good with their hands. They don't know how to fix things. Yep. So there's there's a lot of what we experience, and, and, and it's our fault individually for putting complete labels on people. Yep. But, you know, when we, when we make labels like, oh, the police are doing this. Well, no, the police... The, the, the two police officers that were from that town did that. But when we put a full label, oh, police are doing this. And then you see everyone saying, I hate the police. Correct. But the police that I've had experience with, I've experienced some real jerks. Mm-hmm. But I got family members and friends that are police officers, and they're awesome. They're awesome people. They're, they're good at what they do. And the police officers that I've had to deal with, some were jerks. But most of them were good. So I can point and say those police officers, that guy was a jerk. That guy was an idiot. The police officers in that town of New Mexico, those two cops, they were the ones that did whatever it was that they did. So let's blame them. And maybe even we could extend it to that police department. But when we just start to put a flat label on people in general, it's tough. It's, yep. it's difficult. It's a tough hole to climb out of. And I know anyone who's listening who has been a victim of racism or maybe you've had the mentality that all people are this way, then it, it becomes very, very difficult to deal with. Um, it, how do we get out of that? How do we get out of that mindset? I mean, it's just like what we've been talking about previously before. It's not necessarily accepting the culture it's being counterculture that's it it's being more into the image of christ having the love the passion the unconditional love like we were talking about with the kids like seriously looking at someone and saying i love you even though they've done this and this and that or they have a stereotype over them like it's tough but it's something we need to do yeah we have to start to see people as individuals yes. and not see people by their skin color uh but it's okay to acknowledge the fact that we're different we have different cultures me and g i'm not dominican i love their food though but we have different cultures we're not the same we didn't grow up in the same place but 
the more we associate, the more we become like-minded mm-hmm. and the more we become alike. So that's cool. We like similar music. I don't like anime. He loves anime. Um, but but that, that's, that's not the, because I'm Asian. It's, oh, my goodness. It's because he's Asian. You see that? Stereotype. Ding, ding, ding. See, we need some buttons here that, that kind of... Anyway, um, so I think, you know, we start to treat people as individuals, and that's tough. Yep. That's very difficult to do, to start to treat people individually, but recognize that we have our differences, and there's some cultural things that are strange to us. I don't understand everybody's cultural norms. I don't understand why people eat certain things. I don't understand why people make certain types of celebrations. Um, But ultimately, I think it culminates with the fact that in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Not a certain group like some people usually like to associate. No. Like the Mormons, they think it's a white, white church. Jehovah's Witnesses, they believe it's only their people, not knowing that it's as a whole. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 regardless, and it's the void of economic background, of of ethnicity, of race, uh, of rather of of gender, of social class, of education. It's the void of any of that. It says God so loved the world; He sees everybody. He sees kings, and He sees peasants. He sees He sees phd holders like chris Busey, and and he sees people who have dropped out of high school um he sees all of us and he says you all need the cross you all need christ you all need the atoning saving grace that only is provided through the lord jesus christ that you are enemies of god but but through the sacrifice uh, he acted as a propitiation for sin where the anger of God, the wrath of God that 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 should be on us was placed on Jesus and he absorbed it. He did that for everybody. Yep. We have a new everybody. identity in him. That's it. I don't have to be identified as a as a Hispanic or Latino male. I don't have to be identified as uh, you know, I look Middle Eastern. Uh, apparently my background is, uh, my family's from Israel. My deep background is from I Israel. I did not know that. Yeah, no, little 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 facts on, on uh, Mike the Baptist. Yeah, um, my, my deep history is Israeli. And so if that's true, I'm, I'm not a terrorist. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, God doesn't show uh, partiality or favoritism to anyone. We see that in Scripture. We see that in Deuteronomy, Acts. Um, you know, and, 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 and I love, you know, Paul addressing in Acts 17 says he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed time and the boundaries of their habitation. Did you hear that? God determined their appointed time and the boundaries of the habitation. So if you're, if you're Asian, if you if you have that straight hair, if you got them slanted eyes, if if you like, if you eat with chopsticks, whatever you eat with, God appointed you for that. It's okay. Your differences, it's all right. God appointed you so that you could be Asian. He appointed you to be a mixed breed like G. He he appointed you to be black and have lighter skin or darker skin or he appointed that. Why are we denying that? Why are we fighting that? Why are we bleaching our skin? Why are we trying to get more tan? You have you have the you have you have um, 
you know, uh, it's sexier to be tan, you know, so you have you have people of lighter skin forcing themselves to get a tan one way or another. They yep. And I saw something recently about that. Some model was getting herself darker. Just yeah. Because that. Putting on bleach or putting on a, what is that, tanner? They just rub some tanner on I their skin. So, yes. Because we're not satisfied with the fact that having determined their appointed time and their boundaries of habitation or the reality that that God knows every hair on your head that he formed you in the womb as it says in psalms he created you in the womb he knows you he he sewed your muscles together he put you together and so why are we fighting the fact that i have curly hair well right now it's short so it's not curly but why are we fighting the the fact that i have curly hair why are we fighting the fact that i have a big nose and big ears like he made that why yep. why why alter that why be so so foolish in our thinking that we have to alter ourselves or, or, or think that I'm not good enough because I, ha- I don't have lighter skin or I'm not good enough because I don't have darker skin. Who cares? You're perfectly and wonderfully made. You're, you're made in his image. And it says in 1 John 2, 11, but the one who hates his brother is in the darkness and war- walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So we say we love God, but if we hate our brothers, if we're willing to segregate, if we're willing to 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 judge our our brothers, those who particularly who are in Christ, and we like we can't trust them because he's black. I can't trust him because he's white. I can't trust him because he's Latino. And this is not something that's going to change overnight. Only God and the Holy Spirit is going to change our perspective if we are able to cling to the cross. And understand who we are individually in light of who he is in his eternal glory. That is the only way we're going to be able to put life into perspective. So it's not easy, dude. Gee, you know it's not easy. It's not easy. Um, But in his grace, you know, we can make it happen. And and there's a great book uh, by John Piper called Bloodlines. Um, I haven't read it, but I've gifted it to people. Not having read it, that's like the dumbest thing I could do. I should read it before I gift it, right? Um, but I've gifted it to people, and they've just said, wow, this book is amazing. It's really, it's really put things into perspective. So based on their experience with the book, uh, I'm going to say, you know, pick up the book by John Piper, Bloodlines. Uh, check it out. It talks about that this very topic and, and how we, there's a desperate need for Jesus um, because through him, we break those barriers. And, and there was racism. There was tension among, you know, different groups, the Samaritans and the Jews and all, you know. And, 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 and Jesus was like, nah, man, that's not how you do things. It's not how we roll. That's not who God is. And, uh, and yeah, our, our faith is, is exclusive because Christ has paid the penalty for sin, but it is inclusive of all people. So, it's like, man, what does that look like? And, you know, we'll definitely dive into more of the theological realm of that later in later episodes. Um, but right now we're going to jump right into, uh, you know, we're going to get Chris on the phone. We're going to get his thoughts on this topic of racism. And he's going to give us some insight as to uh, what we what we should be talking about and, and, and some of the some of the great to- uh, topical points. So let's uh, let's let's get him on the phone. We are here with Chris Busey. Uh, and and so I mean Chris is, is calling us from Texas, all the way from Texas. Texas. My boy. Tex Mex, uh, is that what that's what you're trying to grab right now? 
exactly what I'm trying to get, man, before I head back to Florida. Now, when I was in Austin, uh, Chris took me around, and man, not going to lie, those food trucks, banging. In-N-Out Burger, though. In-N-Out Burger, what is that? In Austin? In-N-Out Burger, period. I'm actually at a food truck now. It's like a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chris, let's jump right into this. Um, so, our topic this week is racism. And for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the presence of evil in our culture and the fact that evil exists in general. Um, and so, part of that is the existence of hatred because hatred stems from evil and, and, and racism in our culture. Uh, is is definitely evil, and we're, and we're you know we've already touched on some of the Bible verses that outline the fact that any realm of prejudice or discrimination uh, it stems from an evil heart, from evil intentions. Uh, and so, you being an expert in the field of uh, uh, of racism, of of history, particularly Black history, uh, all over the world. You know what? What what is the climate right now in the United States as far as racism and the presence of racism? Well, I mean, uh, I I think anyone can sort of turn on the television right now and kind of get a good idea as to what the racial climate is like in the U.S. Um, I think there's a a lot of racial tension um, that's bubbling over that we've seen on the news, we've seen it in major cities with protests, we saw it in, in Orlando, um, in our own backyard about four years ago with the murder of Trayvon and That's right. the subsequent yeah. acquittal um, of Trayvon Martin. We saw it in Ferguson, we saw it in Baltimore with Freddie Gray, we saw it in Staten Island, New York, um, we saw it in, in, in Ohio with Rice, we saw it in, in, in Minnesota with Orlando Castile, and it's unfortunate. I mean, when you think about just the list of references I just gave, and that doesn't even include Sandra Bland, uh, the, the, the guy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Charlotte, North Carolina, it goes on and on, and as well as South Carolina, and I'm sure I'm forgetting uh, plenty more that's out there. So you can only look to those as sort of a, a baseline example of, again, the racial climate in the U.S. I think a lot of it stems from this belief in a colorblind society, right? Because after the Civil Rights Movement, after Martin Luther King, you know, everyone sort of said, oh, you know, racism doesn't exist anymore or... We're experiencing a period of, of massive racial progress, which isn't true. But we all know that racism existed, but we failed to have those conversations, right? And so now that things are, are again, more transparent, technology has turned racism on its head. Because now you don't need a secret recording like we saw with Rodney King. People are straight whipping out their cell phones and recording it for themselves. Sure. And, uh... You know, it's, it's, it's just it's bringing it to people's living room. It's bringing it to people's television sets uh, live, you know? And, and, and this, it's not a conversation that we can brush under the rug anymore. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know you and I had a discussion before about 
um, you know, about the topic and, and particularly when it comes to uh, seeing that the African-American community is, uh, you know, it's not just today, but uh, through all types of uh, cultures. I mean, you've been around the world and you've done a lot of world studies, particularly the Caribbean yeah. and so forth. So how ha what, what has been the trend in your studies uh, regarding racism in, in other countries? And it seems like the, the darker skin, um, uh, you know, people, wherever you've done your studies and wherever we find, uh, you know, different reports, the dark skin have been the target of the most oppression and the most racism. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, so it all stems from the idea, and, and I'm going to be specific when I talk about racism in this regard, because like I do in my work, I try to centralize the idea of anti-white racism. And this is a global phenomenon. As you just mentioned, regardless of where you go, the darker you are, uh, statistics show that you're less likely to have access to quality health care, education, um, employment, some of the basic necessities, right? Which makes it honestly an issue of human rights. It's not even an issue of civil rights. It's deeper than that. Um, and so... You know, what a lot of my work, my travels um, have taken me to and, and have led me to understand is, is that uh, regardless of where you are in this globe, you know, racism is real. And I think we can have a tendency to focus on racism as if it's just uh, uh, an issue in the U.S. But man, you look at Colombia right now, you look at Brazil. There's a recent statistic that just came out of Brazil, uh, which said 82 youth die daily in Brazil, and 77% of those 82 youth are Afro-Brazilian. So, there's no way of disputing um, the anti-black notions that undergird racism across the globe. Now, you know, the thought is and I think I brought this up to you a long time ago as well, was, well, you know, you have a community of people that are experiencing this kind of um, uh, oppression, and why don't they just pick themselves up off, you know, from their bootstraps and just walk out of whatever environment they're, they're dealing with, or why don't they just start their own businesses? Why don't they just, um, you know, uh, bank in their own institutions? Like, what attributes to some of the, uh, like you said, they don't have access to the same kind of health care or the job opportunities, et cetera, but what prevents a community, regar really regardless of their, uh, you know, their ethnic background, but, but particularly those who have African descent, um, what, what, what's causing this, this kind of, you know, this standstill in, in being able to progress and continue in us continuing to see oppression and all of that. Right. I mean, I think you have to look institutional, man. Um, you know, when I was younger, obviously, and uninformed and, and not really aware of, like, the literature, you know, I had that understanding that race and racism is based on individual actions, but 
you know, as I've come to read and learn and develop as a scholar, as an intellectual, you know, I've started to realize it's all institutional. So when you look at, when you look at America's institutions or even the world's institutions, right, and you look at politics as an institution, you look at the church as an institution, you look at um, education as an institution, you look at media as another institution, you look at who runs all four of those, for example. And there are more institutions that we can point at. But education is written largely by white men and tells the story of white men. So people of color, blacks, Latinos, uh, they don't grow up knowing their history um, unless it comes from the community or it comes from a teacher who's actually critical. Uh, when you look at politics, just look at a mural of every single president in the U.S. with the exception of Obama. They're all white. <laughs> you know, when you look at the church, and although the church has historically been prominent in the black community, you look at the voices that have been prioritized in terms of the church, right? And they're majority white voices terms of the literature that's written, in terms of the people who we hold as um, as sort of the purveyors of theological thought, they're, they're white for the most part. And so it all stems from those institutions, man. It's, it's a top, I see it personally as a, as a top-down rendering of racism. So do you think just based merely off the fact that the reference, the, so from a, you know, from me being part of the minority community, and as I look up for role models and I look to people uh, to inspire me, I don't see people that look like me, I don't necessarily see people that I can relate to because those that are famed are generally not part of the, at least in this culture, we're sticking to this culture for now, are, are generally uh, not from the minority groups, Hispanics and, and Blacks. So do you think that has a lot to do with the standstill or the inability to progress in some ways? Yeah, I mean, that, has, that plays a major role, man. And I mean, research has pointed out, you know, you say, for example, uh, just the, the sheer lack of, of black scientists or and, and Latino or Latina scientists and engineers, for example. And then when you look at, let's just say, for example, the curriculum, K-12 curriculum, you may be learning about George Washington Carver, Nancy Ochoa, maybe that's it, right? And so young children from the time that they enter school up until our adulthood is how we're being socialized. Um, you start to believe that you can be uh, based on what you're seeing, so to say. They're outliers, of course, right? But for the most part, it, it, it again comes back to this institutional thing. You know, the curriculum is institutional. What we're seeing is put forth by a particular institution. Good point, yeah. So, in, in, so as a university professor, you're talking to your students, you're showing them all these things. 
how do you lead them in the discourse to, to start to think along the lines that they can be more creative, more open, more understanding? How do you lead your students in, in this kind of dialogue? Oh man, it's challenging. <laughs> I mean, I can't front. That's probably one of the most challenging parts of my job because, uh, you know, obviously I'm a black male. Um, I'm a black male educator in the field of uh, education. And so most of the teachers who, or most of the people who want to be teachers and study teaching are white females, right? That's like 85% of the teaching population. And so I get a lot of resistance. I get a lot of pushback. Obviously, some of that is coming because I'm challenging their positionality. And I do so in a way that gives the topic or the experience, rather, justice. I'm not going to sugarcoat it with my students. Um, you know, we address it in a very overt, in a very direct and candid way. And... Uh, you know, sometimes that leads to a tense classroom, man. And, uh, you know, I just have to realize, man, I'm, I'm, I'm chipping away little by little. And, and I hope that my students get it primarily because they're going to be teaching children of color. And these are things that they need to be aware of for the livelihood of these kids. But it's, it's, it's not easy, man. <laughs> I yeah. can tell you that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, why is there, so as, you know, as they go into the workforce and they're going to teach students and they have this diverse group of students where, you know, more students are graduating high school of, you know, part of the minority groups and more students are attending colleges and so forth. And then you have people like you that eventually start to lead and we see that more and more and hopefully that becomes uh, a trend that it, that's continuous what needs to be done or what you know what what do you need to do as a as a teacher as an instructor to be mindful of the fact that you have this diversity in your classroom like is that even important or should you just you know because you're hearing the notion now that you know people are people you know we need to we need to all lives matter so why do we have to put a special emphasis on the fact that we have minority students in the classroom <coughs> Uh, and it's more prominent than ever. You know, so me personally, man, I, I see it as an ethical and a moral imperative. Um, people have a right to learn their history, man. People have a lot. They, that, it should be a right to know your heritage, to know where you're from, uh, to, to know the contributions your people have made, not just to U.S. society, but to the formation of this world, politically, economically, theologically, um, socially. Again, to me, that's a moral and ethic imperative. And I say that because, again, when you look at teachers, everything is built towards a Eurocentric understanding. And uh, if we're not altering or challenging that Eurocentric understanding, this is how people go out in the world, especially children of color, just kind of un unaware of the power dynamics, right? Um, our lived experiences, and when I say our, I'm speaking as a person of color, don't necessarily align with that Eurocentric viewpoint, man, of, right. of history, yeah. of economics, um, 
our social understandings, our political understandings, all of that is different, and it's based on experience. And you know, teachers have to be mindful of that, man. And and they have to prepare kids to to go out and navigate the world around them. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, and and so, what are your thoughts as far as? Um, you know, I guess this is more personal opinion-ish thing <laughs> that I'm going to ask, but, you know, when you have the stereotypes that are presented, so whether, you know, my, any minority group, and then you, you have the presence of entertainment, where the stereotypes are almost lived out in our face yeah. daily, how do you counteract that? Like, you know, what, and it's tough because we don't want to put that as an excuse to say, well, you know, that's them, that's not us, or that doesn't yeah. speak or represent the population as a whole. But, you know, when I look at novelas, you know, for the Hispanic population or, or the Latino population, you know, it's like, there's a certain thing there, you know, it's sexy, it's suave, it's this and that, but, you know, I don't, yeah, I don't think I necessarily fall in that category. Or you like know what Asians, I mean? Asians, they're like yeah. super smart. Yeah. Right, Asian, smart, and mysterious, and all that. But you know, I know a few Asians that aren't that smart and not that mysterious. You know what I'm saying? So, right. Like, how do we? How does you know? It's how do we deal with that? Like from your standpoint, I know it's really opinion based, but you know, how do you see that playing out? How do you counteract that? I mean, I, I know I struggle with that for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. So. Yeah, man, that's, that, that's a tough one, right? Because, I mean, I, I think when it comes to stereotypes and trying to counteract stereotypes, one of, the, one of the things we have to think about is the idea of respectability politics, right? Changing who we are to um, appear more palatable or acceptable to white people, right? Um, and, and, and that's, like, one of the ways in which we can, like, counter stereotypes. And, and some people may not even be cognizant of it, right? Like, why you're challenging that stereotype might be rooted in respectability politics. And I try to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on the other hand, you know, you, you have certain stereotypes like you brought up with you, right? And, and, like, I think about hip-hop a lot with it. <laughs> you know, stereotypes stereotypes of the black male and then you got uh, a particular rapper who might go and go out and just straight up embody every single stereotype of the black male and uh you know I've, I've been trying to give it a lot of thought like ways in which I think about that am I assigning negativity based on a particular standard or I was just I really thinking that look at yeah yeah because that's the thing right what's the standard um, right. Why is it negative for, you know, for, and I'm going to use the typical stereotype, like, who cares if black people like fried chicken? Like, I like exactly. fried chicken, you know what I'm right. saying? Like, but who cares? Yo, why is that even labeled a stereotype? Yo. Yo, it's <laughs> church's chicken. What <laughs> you know about church's chicken? <laughs> no, I mean, but, so, like, that's one of the things, right? Like, even myself. As a young black professor, you know, I think I came at this very wrong in the way that I approached my class. So I used to approach my class trying not to be the stereotype. Then I had to understand, man, that the way that I speak, the way that I talk, 
that's a part of my community. That's a part of my upbringing. And me trying to uh, change my vernacular to, more, to represent more standard English wasn't just rooted in me trying to appear more professional. It was rooted in me trying to be less of a stereotype. And that's wow. not cool. That's you know, I've had to come. I've had to come to understand that. Like, I have to be who I am. And, and I have to understand that um, that stereotype has been assigned, right? And it's, and it's not necessarily have to be, doesn't necessarily have to be something that could, um, and, and, and again, man, that's what makes that conversation complex, right? Because, um, you know, it's, it's multi-layered. Um, you know, there are certain stereotypes that you don't want to aspire to. Um, and, and I don't even see that as a stereotype, man. I just see that as a way of being a human that you, you know, that you don't want to aspire to. Sure, sure. Um, I know you're a busy man. One quick question and we'll let you go. Um, so, yeah, yeah. so what's the solution then? Ultimately, from your standpoint, being someone who is heavy in research and uh, all kinds of publications, what what is the solution, at least in our standpoint, for this generation, the, the the you know the millennials, the generation next guys? What is the solution for us as we carry the torch and and we push this country forward? Like, what what should be done? How how should we carry ourselves? Like, I mean, what what do you, what are your thoughts? You know, I'll, man, shoot, it, it, it was that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll, you know, I'll say, I think starting off, man, we, we have to be anti-racist, man. And, um, you know, I, I know that this podcast is going to be from a theological standpoint. So, you know, I'll speak to more of a theological or church-going audience, so to say. Um, you know, I, I was in Orlando at the time that Trayvon was killed. And I became real disenchanted with the local church community, my church, um, some of the people I was doing church with and fellowshipping with, largely because you have this big elephant in the room, right? A big elephant in the city hovering around you with large clouds surrounding rage racism, racial tension, and that not one time, y'all, not one time did we pray about it in my small groups, that my pastor or any of the associate pastors or the leadership of the church called together like a, you know, some kind of church town hall meeting, some kind of discussion, at not one point was the curriculum for a small group towards race and racism as if the Bible ignores it because it doesn't, right? Nope, it does not. And, and, and that's what I'm saying, man. Like, we have to be anti-racist. So, ways in which, like, I think about ways in which the church could have demonstrated anti-racism, could have come out and, and specifically rejected the profiling of young black men. Right? When you think about the way you and I dress, we could have very easily been confused for Trayvon. Easy. Um, you know, um, 
rocking a hoodie with some jeans, some J's, some Nikes, whatever, coming back from a corner store. Um, churches have to be, just like every other institution, more overt, in my opinion, about addressing racism in society. And that means we're trying to create people who actively reject racism. Um, I think people have tried to find excuses to not talk about it or different ways to, to view it from a colorblind lens. And I don't think we're going to make progress that way. I think you got to be straightforward about it. And there you have it. Episode eight. eight. That's it. Um, so check us out on Facebook, SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube. I mean, Jesus He's putting things together that I don't understand. I, I don't, mean, we should have an Instagram soon. We should have an Instagram soon. Matter of fact, we've been talking about doing a Facebook Live. We got to do Facebook Live so as well. So we're going to get that going pretty soon. Uh, shout out to Matthew Movement once again. Wear what you believe, MatthewMovement.com. Uh, you can definitely email us if you have questions or you want to hear certain topics, you want to hear us wrestle through it, or if you want us to get an expert in the field, we can figure that out. So send us an email at uh, proof beyond reason at gmail.com uh, but for now it's your boy uh, geology over there sitting across from me yes for those who commented on youtube as well uh thank you for commenting i have not forgotten i will respond to you guys you guys have been saying good listen this is good keep it up so thank you so much for those who who have been uh, sending us comments and sharing the post keep sharing please that's the only way we're going to get the message out that's the only way we're going to get this thing rolling is if you are sharing it if you and i've got, gotten some great feedback i've had i've had uh single people i've had married couples just hit me up and say man you know i need this this has been great so we're not stopping we're going to keep it going uh, and hopefully ivan the the average whatever whoever he lord is suave. lord suave if, if wherever lord suave is we need him back so when he gets back uh, we'll we'll d touch on other topics, but next week, episode nine, actually, we're taking a week off yes. because it's the 4th of July week, so we're going to take that week off. We're going to be with our families, and we're coming back strong the following week uh, with episode nine, so uh, stay tuned. We love y'all. Peace.